0: What's going on everyone? I'm Ben Portnoy, alongside me Garrick Hodge. Garrick, what's going on man? We're doing this doing this over the phone today, obviously a crazy week going on with crossover season, so we're, we're, we're recording this, what, Tuesday morning over the phone, but it's all good.
1: Yeah, crossover season, uh, just got over a winter storm, it's made recording podcasts exceptionally difficult lately.
0: Yeah, I know, it's been a couple of weeks since we talked to y'all, obviously a crazy couple of weeks, the weather didn't help, some stuff going on in and out, so anyways, we're back, it's baseball season, Uh, a lot to talk about, Mississippi State baseball off to a 2-1 start, took one off number 9 Texas and number 3 Texas Tech, lost one to TCU, as part of the college baseball showdown uh over in arlington texas uh a really great tournament really cool tournament really cool idea uh the sec ended up going i think it was eight and one against their big 12 counterparts outscored them about if i have the number right i think it was 62 to 38 uh tweeted out yesterday so i might have that wrong but You know, this was a a really impressive showing for Mississippi State. Um, You know, Garrett, just generally, obviously Mississippi State walks out with two top ten wins. Just what do you feel like that kind of does for a team when you're able to pull together those kinds of results early in a season? Well,
1: um, I mean, Chris Lamone said, they did it without five of their best pitchers available, um, and quite frankly, I don't really know who uh, all five of them are. Quite, quite frankly, they weren't exactly transparent about uh, who was and was not available, aside for the obvious two in their rotation. But you know, when you're down two weekend starters and you still take two out of three from you know um, three top twenty teams. That's just a phenomenal way to start the year. I don't think you could have asked for anything more, except, I mean, I guess you look uh, across the dugout and Ole Miss and Arkansas, both uh, SEC rivals that expect to compete for the SEC title along with Vanderbilt this year. Uh, Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's showing how strong the SEC is, each and every year once again, and I don't think this year's going to be any different. Um, I mean, both Mississippi teams on the diamond look pretty impressive. We got Rowdy Jordan looking like a leadoff hitter that's just going to break to unprecedented levels. And, I mean, I I think you got everything you wanted from the pitching side for Mississippi State, all things considered, with the uh, arms that weren't available. And I think the biggest takeaway from my end was the depth of how – Strong Mississippi State's rotation and bullpen can be, especially once they get those two cogs in their rotation back, and then they can, you know, shift some of those guys around in the bullpen. I mean, they, they showed they're capable of getting great hitters out consistently.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the fascinating thing is, you know, there really are circumstances worth mentioning in this. You know, you, you lose, like you mentioned, uh, Eric Sarantola didn't make the trip for, you know, reasons that were undisclosed, but I think most of us can read between the lines on that. Uh, will bednar uh, did not pitch he had some soreness in his neck I, I think the excuse given was or the, uh, the the official word given was that he he slept on his neck wrong and had some soreness so they decided to scratch him out of uh, out of uh, precaution he's expected to be back this week but
1: uh, by the way isn't that not the most like baseball injury ever
0: well who was it was uh, you' you're more of a pro baseball guy than I am who was the player who who like cut his finger on a drone or something a couple two two three years ago that was Yeah, there we go. So, you know, baseball has a history of weird injuries, so at least this is par for the course. I can't remember if it
1: was Kerry Wood or Mark Pryor, but they, like, slipped in a back tub and were out for, like, a couple months. This was a lesser extent, but uh, I remember former White Sox pitcher Chris Sale um, was apparently moving stuff around in his truck, and he, like, landed Ron on the bed of it, and he, like, had to miss, like, the first week and a half of the season. So, (laughs) That's, that's, anyway, the, the point being is that baseball, compared to other sports, has like the most. Okay, two more off the top of my head, and then we can get back to Mississippi State baseball. <laughs> Kentries Morales tore his ACL after uh, stomping on home plate, celebrating a walk-off Grand Slam. And I think it was. Uh, was it. I can't remember which player it was, but someone got hurt leaping over the rail in the dugout after a post-game celebration, so I, I, I want to say it was Kosuke Fukudome or Sinshu Sin Chu one of those two guys, I can't remember who it is off the top of my head, but I, I don't know why I just got on this tangent but I just heard, like I mean of course um, I'm only making light of it because he seems to be fine and he'll be back this week so it's <laughs> no harm no. Kosuke Fukudome,
0: um, that's a throwback to some Cubs fans out there
1: yeah, well, I mean, I'm certainly not one of them, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, I just heard that slept on his neck, Ron. Now, that's a baseball injury and a half, I- but...
0: At least it's better than what we got in football during previous eras, the upper body, lower body. I guess that's this is a little more adventurous, which is nice. But, yeah, obviously, Will Bednar will uh, – Chris Moana said after the game that uh, Eric Sarantola is expected to be back this week, and Will Bednar is a little bit more day-to-day, but they're hopeful that he'll be back as well. So, um, like we said, getting those guys back, uh, <laughs> tangent aside, uh, it should be, a, should be a good thing. Um, you, you look at this team, and the, the other thing I think is worth mentioning is When you miss, you know, Chris Almonis didn't explain who. Um, You can, you know, try and run the numbers and figure out who was there, who wasn't. But uh, Chris Almonis said that there were five guys that uh, five of Mississippi State's top arms were not at uh, in Dallas, in Arlington with them. That said, you look at what you got from the bullpen for the most part, maybe outside of uh, of Monday. I was going to say Sunday, but obviously this got moved back a day. So a little bit crazy there. You pretty much like what you expect, um, or like what you saw. Excuse me. I, I think that you know Mississippi State's got the makings of a really, really good bullpen. Landon Sims is an absolute stud on the mound. That's a kid who I think is, like Crystalmona said the other day, is start is in the weekend rotation for about ninety percent of teams in the country right now, and um, he's got some electric stuff. You saw Jackson Fristo yesterday pitch three of three uh, no hit innings. Uh, was a little bit erratic, hit a few batters, walked a few guys, but was. Showed some really, really cool and and, uh, impressive stuff. There's the word I'm looking for. Um, And Lamona said after the game that he might be a guy who that that, you know down the road ends up as kind of like a weekend bullpen guy, just because uh, you know of what he's got coming off the mound. So I, I think if you're Mississippi State, it's about as successful a weekend as you could as you'd hope for.
1: Yeah, Landon Sims in particular, I mean, that was pretty impressive stuff. Uh, he's just a fun guy to watch pitch. Um, in particular, I feel like he can just be such a weapon because, you know, he's stretched out and he can go multiple innings. Um, and I feel like, you know, once you get into SEC play, maybe to a larger extent, get into regionals, like you can deploy him for a two- to three-inning roll out of the bullpen. So going from a guy like Bedner or McLeod or whoever to – a weapon like that out of the bullpen and i think he struck out what like 10 out of his first 11 hitters he faced uh yes, this he
0: struck out 10 oh. of the 12 batters he faced i believe
1: okay but yeah no, i think mean, he's missing a ton of bats um his stuff is obviously filthy um and i i mean it's just this this league is just ridiculously talented i mean you looked at uh um, I mean, granted they were playing right state, but the Vanderbilt one-two punch um, with their starting rotation, and it's—I think we're—we're we're, what we're seeing is obviously the shortened MLB draft it being only five rounds. A lot of players coming back that wouldn't necessarily be back under normal circumstances, and you're seeing. Honestly, a much better college baseball product. And the obviously, it's been three games, so maybe I'm just a prisoner of the moment here. But I don't know. This baseball season is going to be pretty damn fun. I I don't know about you, Ben.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the interesting thing about this, right? I, I think that you know, generally speaking, and and maybe I'm generalizing here, but. You know, college baseball is a sport that I think is pretty regionally popular. You know, it's really popular in the SEC, and the you know top 25 rankings tend to reflect that. Big 12's got some popularity, and Pac-12, it, it varies. But for the most part, it's a sport that's cared about in the Deep South, and I think you and I can both agree that when we when we got to Mississippi, that was kind of one, I, at least for me, I think that was one of the things that I first noticed was how crazy people are about baseball, and, and I think it's really fascinating. And, you know, when you have this kind of product and the kind of guys that you have back that you know those guys rounds say six through ten who uh, you know in a normal year are are like you said you know playing pro baseball right now but instead are back developing for another year in college before being drafted like that makes a big difference, and and it makes a big difference in the product. It makes a big difference in the watchability and, and all of that. Now, <laughs> I, I, I won't take a moment exactly to, to blast Flow Sports, but I think we can agree that that was not, not our my favorite uh, streaming service of all time. Uh, you mean
1: you don't? a hundred and twenty dollars for a full year of flow sports
0: yeah so i had for the people listing this is kind of a fun funny story so i went and i i I registered and it it could have been a mistake on my part it could have been a mistake on their part but whatever happened was when i registered it charged me for the year-long subscription which was like 160 dollars, which obviously i didn't want i wanted to sign up for the monthly one so i could so i could watch the games and and anyway i ended up getting charged instead of like 30 dollars charged 160 and i saw that on my my bank statement and i was you know, like that, that can't be right. So luckily I credit to flow sports. They got it figured out for me and their support people were great and got back to me within like an hour so I appreciated that and they re- refunded me. But um, yeah, no, I think we can agree, uh, but that's an interesting thing. And th- this may be a topic for another time or a column or something, but you know, I was talking to someone the other day about this, that I, I think the women's basketball team, for example, had uh, was hypothetically scheduled to have uh, about 30 games nationally televised or 25 games televised in some capacity. I think baseball is scheduled to have 11 and, and i think that you know some of that is a product of who nationally watches college baseball but two it's just it's kind of an interesting microcosm of where baseball stands i think in the general consciousness of college sports um and, and i think that's you know fair or not i mean i think that you know it's a sport that i've certainly gar- you know garnered a much more respect for and i think is really really fun And i think there's something you know Really kind of kind of the the things that I love about college football and the pageantry and all that stuff that maybe some of it's cliche and maybe it's not. But uh, I I think you get a lot of that or a similar a a comparable, um, not necessarily the same level of that uh, at a smaller scale with college baseball, especially in the SEC.
1: Well, John Cohen's been beating that drum for anybody that'll listen for the last hour for many years. I I don't remember exactly when he said it. I think he said this multiple times, but um, you know, they don't even give out full scholarships for the most part, unless you're Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. But, um... You know, like he's he's used the quote that a lot of the, his former players that ended up being like draft picks use their bonuses to pay off their college loans, so that they did you know they had to take out from the other half they weren't getting from their scholarships or whatever the case was. So yeah, I mean, of course they're not on the scale of maybe the basketballs or the footballs of the world, um, but I mean. I don't know maybe maybe there's an sec network deal to be hashed out um i guess i don't know exactly what their programming schedule is like in uh april and uh may besides you know a whole bunch of spring football games but um (laughs) that's that's (laughs) about the extent of it that i'm aware of but you know um I, i can attest that um 13 out of 14 sec baseball fan bases are very invested in
0: their baseball teams so Who's who's the one, Garrick? Do you do you want to do you want to go there?
1: Um, yeah, Mizzou don't give a crap about baseball. They, <laughs> they just don't. i, I am going test. They, they. First of all, their press box is like four seats, um, which not. I don't know. I'm not going to be a sour grapes guy, but the um, the year, the year <laughs> covering Mizzou, their stadiums is obviously by far and away the smallest. Um, I think their capacity is I think 3600 um, I could be wrong but it's it's, it's so give or take about 3600 mm. and if it's a midweek game you're getting about anywhere between 2 to 500 fans at most and if it's a weekend SEC game you're probably getting anywhere between 900 to 1300 so very, um, very minuscule attendance obviously the only game that I went to, I think I covered about, I don't know, 20-ish games in my uh, time covering the Mizzou Beat. Um, The only games that were close to being sold out was the last home series of the year when it was actually warm against Florida. And I guess I'll, I'll... give uh mizzou fans a little bit of the benefit of the doubt it's a not fun parking situation and you have to walk up a gigantic hill um to to get to the stadium which is not fun for anybody i mean i know some people like walking up hills because they're psychopaths but um (laughs) And then it's like we we nicknamed it the ice box because it's like the coldest place in Columbia, Missouri. So like whatever the temperature is outside, take off like ten or fifteen degrees from that, and that's what the temperature is going to be at the baseball stadium. So outside of that though, um, this isn't a Mizzou podcast, so I'll, I'll I'll divert it back. But thirteen out of fourteen markets, there's a there's a big following for it.
0: Yeah, it's it's fascinating, but. Anyways, turning, turning kind of back to Mississippi State, obviously we talked a little bit about this weekend, a couple of big wins. Looking forward, uh, you know, things don't get super serious, uh, you know, for another couple of weeks, but you got some interesting games coming up. You've got Tulane coming into town, who's kind of a team that hovers around the top 25 or has pretty historically, and it is a good program. Uh, you got Jackson State in the Wednesday season opener, uh, Southern Miss and Tuesday next week in Pearl. And then a couple of uh, weekend series against Tennessee Tech and Eastern Michigan. Tennessee Tech took a game off Ole Miss last year, so I guess do with that what you will. And then some midweek games against Grambling and then uh, ULL, or University of Louisiana. Is that what what we're going with now? Uh, University of Louisiana, um, who's generally a pretty good team as well. So some interesting midweek games and and some interesting non-conference games. Just
1: call them the Raging Cajuns.
0: Yeah, the Raging Cajuns, which, to be fair, I kind of stand by I think that is one of the best nicknames in sports. That is a phenomenal... I, I'm big fan. Big fan. Um, but, no, I, I think that Mississippi State's got some interesting games ahead of it. So, you know, if they drop a game here or there, it's, it, you, you expect that, I guess, maybe. Uh, and, then, and then you open SEC play with LSU. So it, it should be a pretty fascinating slate. I, I'm excited to kind of see what this next couple of weeks bring. Um, you know, and, and probably a, you'll see a little bit more of this, too. And Chris has talked about this after the uh, the Texas Tech game on Sunday. Uh you know, Mississippi State's got a lot of arms that it needs to see something from. And not necessarily in a bad way, but just uh, that, you know, that you need to kind of get a feel for what the, where they're at, what they're able to do, what you can get expect from them in SEC play, if anything. And I, I think these next couple weeks kind of will give you that a little bit. What's kind of your take on it, Garrick?
1: well my take is I'm like the king of jumping ahead in the big picture and this like kind of Texas weekend really made me anticipate the Ole Miss MSU series I think it's April 14th through the 16th so I'm pretty fired up about that already even though we got a solid like five weeks before we're there but um no um I I think you know you uh if you're the team that Mississippi State thinks it is and you get the pitching reinforcements that you expect to get back, um, I expect you to take care of business against Tulane um, and, you know, kind of run uh, run, rampant, run rampant over the non-conference slate until you get to that first uh, conference weekend against LSU. Um, I, I mean, I think they got as good a shot as any to be pretty interesting this year.
0: Yeah, definitely. It should be fascinating because I think that You know, this is a Mississippi State team that – and not to get too big picture because obviously we're, what, four four days into this thing and, you know, it's easy to jump ahead when you've played the games that you've played and and won the games that they've won, but, um, you know, you look at this and – I think that we all thought that Mississippi State was an Omaha team, probably, at least on paper, is a team that can make a run at the College World Series. The way I try to look at this is usually I think that they can get to a super regional and then whatever happens from there, who knows, things get crazy. I think that this kind of cements that to an extent. You'll see a little bit more, in, you'll see more of this in SEC play and opening up with an LSU team that's ranked, I think they're ranked 11 in D1 Baseball's latest poll. Um, Ole Miss and Arkansas are ranked one and two. Mississippi State's going to play both of them. Uh, the other teams in the top, if I'm not mistaken, there's six SEC teams in the top 10, five SEC teams. Yeah, you've got Ole Miss, Arkansas, Vanderbilt at one, two, three, then Mississippi State at five, Florida at seven. So... Uh, you've got plenty of talent in the SEC uh, from that side of things. So there's five. Um, So Mississippi State only plays a couple of those teams, or will play three of those four teams. They won't play Florida, but – You know, you're gonna have super regional type games or college World Series type games most of the way through this season. Um, Mississippi State lucks out, for lack of a better term, in that their crossover games are Missouri and Kentucky, and you avoid you know the Floridas and Georgias of the world on the that side of the conference. But you know, the SEC, the SEC West is something to behold. I think when it comes to college baseball, and I think that. If I'm not mistaken the only team on the in the west that's not ranked in the top 25 is Alabama and that's a pretty sneaky good Alabama team.
1: Yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting. Well, you uh, you want to touch on basketball for like five minutes and then wrap it up?
0: Yeah let's give let's give a quick uh, quick look at basketball. Obviously, we've we've spent a lot of time on baseball and a lot to talk about there. But uh, basketball, some interesting things happening as well. Mississippi State, uh, the women finally getting another home game today. Uh, today's Tuesday, so they'll play tonight uh, against Auburn. Uh, you would think they will be heavy favorites in that by the time this drops that game will probably be over uh but they've got our or excuse me they've got auburn lsu and missouri left on the schedule you probably need to win all three of those to get into the tournament uh things are getting a little dicey for the bulldogs i was in tuscaloosa on sunday uh they looked really really bad um that was probably, you know, they ended up losing that game by about eight, but it was definitely not that close. And frankly, Alabama probably should have won that game by about 25 points. Um, you know, Mississippi State's got some problems. And, and if they lose a game like they played tonight, if they lose a game to Auburn, I, I really don't think they deserve to be an NCAA tournament team. Um, you know, I asked Nikki McCray-Penson about it the, after the, the Alabama game, and, and she kind of Answered the question, but didn't answer the question, and I think that, you know, this is a team that has a, a lot of work to do, I think, to, to really cement itself, because I think that, if you had to ask me right now, I don't think they're an NCAA tournament team, but I think they benefit from the fact that every win they pick up in the SEC, which hasn't been one for a while, but... Um, does count for a lot, and I think that goes a long way. Given that where the SEC teams rank in the net, I think that Florida's the second lowest rated team in the SEC in the net rankings, and they're at around sixty five, give or take. Um, Auburn's at about one hundred and seventeen. Um, so, so any game that you win down this stretch will help that resume. But um, that, that's kind of where the women stand right now. Garrick, you want to get just a quick, quick, some quick insight on the men as well, kind of before we wrap this thing up.
1: Yeah, um, obviously they were uh, kind of in a tailspin. Uh, Lost six out of seven SEC games. Uh, Most of the fan base pretty disinterested for the most part, let's call it like it is. It was already fairly apathetic coming into the season, and then the interest uh, peaked up a little bit once they kind of got off to that nice start, and it has since gone back down to the bottom of the stock market. Um, But, you know, um, I think that they, you know, they at least showed pride. Um, Abdul, you said it best. You know, they, they took pride in, you know, not getting embarrassed by Ole Miss twice and coming out and beating their rival and, you know, doing the old Ben Howland special and splitting with Ole Miss um, every year. Um, which, I don't know how much that matters in the grand scheme of things, but I do know that, you know, like we said, nothing gets this fan base riled up like uh, losing to Ole Miss, and at least he didn't do it twice. Um, I still happen to think that, Ben is probably on the side of getting another year unless, I don't know, something crazy happens. But um, I was maybe, like, starting to put my finger on that, like uh, going the other way once they lost by 21 points to Vanderbilt. But I think, uh, you know, a victory against Ole Miss kind of pumps the brakes on that for a little bit. And, you know, it's not entirely improbable that they – fit. Go uh, three and one their final four. They have um, a road contest against Auburn. Whenever the heck that's going to be made up, I don't know. Um, they have a home contest against South Carolina that they've already beaten on the road, and they have a home game against Alabama on Saturday. I don't envision that winning that one, but again, you never know. The home team in that series has won the last seven games, wow. so. Um, and then they close the season against A&M unless, you know, the uh, Auburn game gets moved after that. And Auburn's been on a tailspin as well. So, um, and obviously A&M's kind of the bottom of the barrel. So it's very possible that they finish the year 9-9 nine and nine in SEC play. Is it also conceivable that they finish the year 6-12 and 12 in SEC play and lose the Final Four? Sure. But I think, you know. Um,
0: that, would put not, a, that would put them at what, 15-12 and 12 if I'm not? Yeah, fifteen right.
1: and twelve, something like that. And I, yeah, fifteen or sixteen and eleven. I my math is bad. We don't yeah. do math on the
0: podcast. There's a but, reason. There's you know, a reason for I mean, it. Yeah,
1: their chance of an at large is done. Like I don't think there's anything they can do um, to get an at large at this point. Even if they went out and win two games in the SEC tournament, I think they have to win the SEC tournament to get in. But I think everyone gave up on that dream a long time ago after losing six out of seven. Um, but I don't know. I mean, from everything I've read, they still plan to have an NIT um, tournament this year with 16 teams in New York, and you know that a bunch of teams are going to opt out of that. So if they want to be in there and they make a run their last, I don't know, five or six games, sure. That's that's still conceivable. Yeah, um, and This is all a long-winded way of saying that I don't really know what to expect with this team, and we'll see it play out.
0: Well, and it's an interesting team too, right? Because I think we've talked about this too: is that you know we kind of look at this roster and see you know people in different roles, and that it might be a year away, like. You win a couple of games down the stretch, maybe win a game or two in the SEC tournament. You win a game or two in an N I T type tournament after the season. Like, that goes a long way in building toward next year, and I, I think that if you're Mississippi State, that, that, would, that would really help, uh, for lack of a better term, reinvigorate the fan base and I think keep, keep people excited about it to an extent.
1: All right. Well, I think that's about all we got. Uh, we'll come back next week to either see the uh, rejuvenation of the women's basketball team or uh, more doom and gloom. So yeah,
0: we'll, uh, we'll we'll have plenty more for y'all throughout the weekend. Obviously, again, it's crossover season, so lots of things happening. We've got two basketball teams in action, a baseball team. It's uh, it's a busy time. Spring football is right around the and corner. Football's
1: not doing too bad either. We'll we'll give them a. a a little, little shout-out That's true. Softball,
0: softball had a good weekend, minus the loss to Southern Illinois. So if, you, if you're looking for your softball fix, be sure to read Theo DeRosa. He's got plenty, got that all covered for you. So, uh, there you go.
1: Theo gets a shout-out on Bully Banter.
0: <laughs> I know. We need to get Theo on here. So. That, uh,
1: we do need to get him on here at some point. Maybe maybe you and him can do a uh, softball podcast. I feel like that could be uh,
0: pretty entertaining for all the hardcore uh, Diamond Sport fans out there. Let's do it. Let's do it. But uh, anyways, for Garrick Hodge, I'm Ben Portnoy. We'll catch you all again next week.